welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. We are now on chapter six of Chronomaly, and I, I think I'm getting an idea of what's going on, but I have no idea what Greg is doing. This whole thing is strange. Oh, so you believe that Greg is a person again, do maybe, you? Maybe, maybe. I'm still on the fence as to whether Greg is even gotcha. real. Gotcha. Every episode, we have guests come on and play through an escape room that Danny has created, pulled out of the ether and put onto paper in front of us all. Uh, and this episode, uh, we have one returning guest and one new guest. Uh, our returning guest is Neil Patrick Harris, star of Stage and Screen. Hi, Neil. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and our, uh, our new guest is owner of 2-Bit Circus in LA, Brent Bushnell. Hi, Brent. Hi, folks. Thanks for having me. Uh, welcome to the show, you two. So Absolutely. psyched. I've been looking forward to it. It is a great pleasure to be here. I was so excited to do my, uh, my episode last season uh, in, in Magicland. Yes. We had a fantastic time. I, I, I feel like your family because I listen to your, your podcasts often and it's, 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 a, uh, it's very fun to be back. Yeah, now you get to be thrown right into the middle of one of the connected arcs. So that's different. Yes. And with Brent, who Brent, it, it, mm. you know, we'll, we could talk about this doing podcast The Escape, but Brent's so smart and creative and fun and good. He runs Two Bit Circus in LA, which is uh, going to expand and be this amazing uh, opportunity for people to experience VR and escape yes. dynamics in really yeah, exciting well ways. It yeah, it's he's <laughs> he's the Walt Disney of that stuff right now, and so uh, I feel like I'm in very good hands uh, with with him as my cohort. Oh my God, Neil, that means so much coming from you. For people who haven't been, Brent, do you want to give like a rundown of what? Two Bit Circus is? Yeah, sure. You know, we we opened what we call a micro amusement park. Uh, that's a term we just made up. Uh, you know, it's micro <laughs> compared to Disneyland, but it's still you know almost forty thousand square feet. Uh, we've got a whole reimagined uh, Carnival Midway, an arcade, a hundred seat interactive game show theater, and a virtual reality arena. Uh, what we call story rooms, which are sort of our version of escape rooms, um, and then a full bar and restaurant. So you know, there's something like twenty some odd hours of entertainment in there i just can't wait to show you it's like dave uh, we, and busters mm. if dave and <laughs> busters was uh not super germy and creepy filled with little kids <laughs> it's cool dave and cool it busters. is it's it's dave and busters meets star trek i don't know it's i every time i go i love it more Oh man, no, Neil, that that uh, that whole newscast simulator we showed you is almost done, and oh my god, it's hilarious. Uh, so this is really, a a, a multi-person thing where you go into a specific room, and they've just we, I got to beta test it crazy early on in backstage in sort of a hallway with with two by fours that they put together, and <laughs> and essentially the, the, all the people are playing parts. In a newscast, so there's a newscaster or an anchor and a co-anchor. Someone is playing the camera operator. Someone's playing the weatherman. Someone's playing the producer. So cool. And 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 everyone has to accomplish things when they're supposed to. So the teleprompter person has to scroll at the right time and fill in words. The anchor has to read things without knowing what's happening. The camera operator has to has to do, and all of it has to go in sequence at the right time in order to succeed. I'm guessing that, I mean, it, the rules may have changed yeah. since I did it, but it was, uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's no, you're nailing. And then you get a video of your, you know, your, your newscast. So, uh, nice. it's, it's, I love it so much. A riot. Uh, wonderful. Well, now we always start with the same questions. So, uh, Neil, you've already answered these, but you can answer them again with any, maybe fun. something's changed. Maybe something's changed. Uh, so the first question we always ask is, this is an escape room show. Uh, so what is your escape room experience? And uh, why don't we start with Brent? Oh, wow. You know, I am just obsessed with escape rooms. I've done them all over the world. Uh, you know, I did some in, in China that were that were literally not even legal, you know, in the U.S., you know, <laughs> rooms filling with water and, you know, all sorts of, of oh, wild, uh, you know, but I would say some of my favorites are, uh, I mean, I love Stash House, Tommy Hauntons in, in Los Angeles. Uh, I absolutely love Palace Games in San Francisco. I think their Edison room is mm. sing singular in the world. Uh, yeah, and we've heard we definitely need to go there. Yeah, it's really, it's really something. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. 
Wonderful. And Neil, how's any anything new in your escape room experience? I was recently in San Francisco, uh, where Brent is actually right now, uh, filming a super cool movie. And wouldn't you know, I did a single escape room that was Palace Games. And wouldn't oh, you know, that the nice. room that I did was the Edison room. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated it. It was the worst thing I've ever done. It was hilarious, amazing, other level no spoilers, but norm. I'm so used to it either being a single room or a room mm. that you solve, which opens a door to a second room, and you're kind of moving from room to room. This changes that dynamic in an interesting way. And oh. by the by the end, you're kind of in Super Mario Brothers. You're doing things. <laughs> you're playing mini games, but but for the story and for the good of the thing. It's longer than sixty minutes, and so it doesn't. It doesn't feel so hurried. It feels like a longer evening. I think it's 100 minutes, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's definitely longer and bigger than Which most. is so much better because it took away the, the, the edge of feeling, of feeling panicked as if you yeah. must mm. quickly, quickly hurry, 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 do it fast, fast. We're running out of time. With 100 minutes, you had a little more breathing room. And you kind of needed it because part of what was exciting about Palace Games and that Edison room was enjoying the gameplay that they had created. So I, yeah. I love that. That was my most you, recent You know one. what else was yeah. really spectacular is that it dynamically changes the number of people that are in the room. So the puzzles yes. are aware of if there's four, five, or six. Oh, it's really, really, really cool. elegant. So elegant. All right. And then the other question. Uh, yes. So uh, I, have another, I have another question. Uh, so this is not just escape rooms. This is escape rooms as tabletop role-playing games. So uh, what is your experience, either new or old, with tabletop role-playing? Anyone can start. I'll start. Um, exciting for me is that uh, I'm a father of twins who are nine years old, a boy and a girl, and Gideon, our son, is obsessed with Dungeons & Dragons. He is nice. now a dungeon master, and he plays weekly with some friends from his school. With the, uh, a guy has been hired, and he and he's their DM, and now he's our DM. And so he oh, and he's obs he's quite. I mean, I'm a proud parent, but he's quite good <laughs> at it. He remembers so much minutia about what what weapons uh, accomplish like the, mm. the, all of the different lawful good and chaotic evil and all the classes and everything. And, and at nine, I feel like hits the third grade. I'm, I'm kind of impressed. I thought this I, was more of a teenage thing. Yeah. I feel wow. like kids, I feel like kids around that age, they always have that one thing. And I think for like, like traditionally for boys that age, it was always like, you know, like you dinosaurs. could ask him any dinosaur and they'll be like, let me tell you every yes. dinosaur fact. But instead mm. he's got D and D in his head. He's going, let me tell you about a beholder. Here's all the stats you need to know. But I'm so oh. proud That's of really it because cool. it, it involves math yeah. it involves uh, you know science it involves geography it involves history in a, in a way but in mm. in, a, in a broader level it involves improvisation and creativity and mind expansion yeah. and, and 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 playing you know the rules changing and being adaptable and so mm. i have been a, a student of my son's uh my nine-year-old son's dming recently so that's been my oh. tabletop game experience that's that's awesome. lovely and i do feel like it is coming back a little bit and i'm really excited about that good news <laughs> generation good <laughs> <laughs> and and you know i think that role play for us for a, a growing child you know having to align with whatever the the alignment is what the you know the the, the characteristics that are different than you as a person is this incredible mm. learning opportunity that that you know i was was absolutely transformational for me i played all through high school and and just love it in fact we remounted a campaign last year my brothers and a couple of other friends and it's just been a riot all right lovely well with uh, that, we're probably ready to start. I probably need a script, right? Yes, you do. Okay, hold on. I'm I'm never prepared. I'm never. I, I look. I cut this out every time. I'm taking um, copious notes, oh. and I want to give a little bit of a shout out because I bought. I I I, I found this book online. It's called Pano Book, and it's mm. and it's a landscape uh, notebook. Oh, artsy! That has Ooh, a grid on it. And so you can put it in in front of your computer, and then I'm gonna page back and forth. So my my goal is to take well good notes while you're talking, nice. so and make my maps kind of <laughs> cool looking. So we'll see how how I do with it. The atmosphere in Doc Bill's lab is tense. You're surrounded by half your physics class, all of whom are watching you with anticipation, and that couldn't make you more nervous. 
You're low C students. What sort of fancy physics are they expecting of you? Sure, they explain that you're going to become time travelers, but they can't mean that literally, can they? This is like, uh, you know, one of those quantum physics things with the neutrinos traveling at twice the speed of light or whatever, so it's technically time travel. Something like that, right? Well, into the time machine then. Doc Bill says expectantly. Okay, maybe it is literal. Now, you may feel a little uncomfortable, but nothing more than a little headache or a big headache. Maybe some severe nausea and loss of coordination. It's a dice roll, really. Now, let's see if the computer tells me where you're going. He turns away and presses a few buttons on a keyboard in the corner. Hmm, no precise details. Although it does say you're not going back very far at all. Only a century or so. That might make things easier. And the anomaly you're going back to fix... Oh dear, another death. Greg, 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 what are you doing? Well, good luck. Someone's life depends on you. He always says he believes his students work better under pressure. Ugh. One of the students presses a big button on the side of the machine and you're thrown into total blackness. Then, as abruptly as it came, the darkness of this time void suddenly gives way to blinding white. There's a roaring all around you and your entire body is being pummeled by something freezing. You stagger on the spot and you bump into something. It, it's a door. You don't even think, you just grab the handle and shove it open. Anything to get out of whatever this is. The door slams shut behind you and the shock slowly starts to wear off. You're in a dim and dusty room that feels kind of crowded with stuff. It's a very small room. There are three fat floor-to-ceiling wooden pillars haphazardly spaced around the place. Very in the way. To your right is a long table with a chessboard at one end and a huge stack of tinned beans at the other. Huh. As far as doors go, there's the one that you came in and one in the wall to your left, which is more like a sliding divider than a regular door. Is it open or closed? It is closed. Locked? Don't know yet. Exciting. Over in one corner, I have this as the top right corner, but feel free to be creative. <laughs> you see a large traveling stove and a big bucket beside it. And sitting around that stove, there are three stunned-looking men dressed in huge winter coats. Oi! One of them exclaims. You detect just, just a, there might be a crisp English accent in there. That wind blew the stove out! How are we supposed to get it going again? We'll freeze! He slams the stove shut. You're about to stammer an apology when another one of them stands up and peers at you closely. Did you come from outside? He asks. From the blizzard? Dressed like that. The others murmur their aghast agreement. <laughs> Unsure what else to do, you nod and the same one speaks again. Unbelievable. I didn't know there were any other missions down here, and to end so poorly as to have the youngest of their crew wandering through a storm. You best stay with us. We don't have many supplies left, but we won't have you die. Our ship's been stuck in the ice, but we've got a rescue on the way. Should be here within days. Hmm. You look around once more, and the word ship is in your mind, and ice, and then you realize there's a label on this man's coat. It says, Gallantry Crew, Antarctic Continent, 1920. Hmm. Yeah, these guys are sailors on an Antarctic expedition, which means you were just for a few seconds outside in a South Pole snowstorm. Wow. The sailor puts a hand on your shoulder. One more thing. I, I have to ask. Did you see anyone else out there? A man named Michael. He's our scientist and photographer, and he wandered off right before the blizzard hit. We're worried sick, and it might be hours before it's safe for us to man a search. When you shake your heads, he sighs and heads back to the corner with the others. Missing photographer, huh? Okay, that's probably the one that you've been sent back to save. But how are you going to do that if he's out there? This might take some thinking, because you won't survive long just by wandering around in the snow. How can you possibly go searching for him outside when it's already practically freezing in here? We gotta get that stove going. Indeed. So there's three pillars in various places. They're round pillars and they're floor to ceiling. Is this to sort of hold the room up or are they more decorative? You would have assumed looking at them that they were load-bearing pillars, but right now... This ship doesn't look like it's in a good way. The ceiling is sort of buckled in places. You don't think they're doing their jobs very well. My mind went right to burning them, but maybe we should wait on that. <laughs> 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 
to tell you a bit more about these pillars, so they are floor to ceiling. Each pillar has a big number painted on it in black. So just one, two, and three, respectively. Pillar one is pretty large, but two is even bigger, and three is almost twice as big as two. So they're not all identical. And if you give them a bit of a push, like you say, oh, well, who knows, maybe I could pull one of them down to use as fuel, they definitely don't move much. They are super heavy. You're not sure you can work with that too much. They do spin just a little bit, and they even look like they move up and down, letting the ceiling above them shift up or down with them a bit. It seems like this whole room is one big hazard. And into holes in the floor, if we if they go up, you know, there's sort of more pillar coming out of the floor? A little bit, yes. And and the kind of travel you're talking about is like a few inches? Possibly not even that. Yeah, I mean, inches, definitely more than feet, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. So we're on a ship right now? You are inside the ship. Okay, got it. Great. Um, should we try that sliding door? Yeah, let's go check out this divider. As far as you can tell, this divider looks like it might lead to a bedroom cabin. It can have a little label on it that says cabin to tell you so. There might be some warm clothes in there that you can borrow. I don't know what you wore to school today, but it definitely wasn't appropriate for this. <laughs> you push on the door to activate its sliding mechanism, and it super doesn't slide. It doesn't feel locked. It feels stuck. One of the sailors over in the corner shakes his head at you and goes, Oh yes, the ceiling's busted off kilter. It's jammed up the divider good. You'll never be able to force it open. We gotta straighten up the ceiling. You guys are construction workers in your spare time, right? <laughs> yeah, by right? looking... This by isn't looking outside about... knowledge. That's why we get our C's, yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but our geometry, oh my god, is it great. <laughs> A plus in geometry. Uh, what about, uh, can we, if we look at the whole of that wall, can we see it, you know, sort of look trapezoidal, you know, as opposed to, to right angled? Man, it's subtle. You can't see something excessive about it, but it does seem like the whole room's definitely got a bit of an unfortunate slantiness in weird places to it. Mm. Can you tell me a bit more? I'm going to walk over to where the stove that was hot mm. is now out. Is there anything mm. near or with or around the stove? Can I investigate that area a bit? Cool. So the three, uh, the three sailors sort of shift aside so you can take a look. Sorry. Um, excuse me, guys. Excuse me, guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So again, there was a big old bucket sitting next to it and the stove itself, it's pretty hefty. It's not like a little camping stove. It's it could be moved around, but it would be an effort. Um, huge cast iron and all of that. So if it were on and open, it seems like it would keep anyone beside it nice and cozy. But the door's closed and it has cooled down quickly. There is no heat coming from it whatsoever. You can use your cold fingers to pry the door open. It doesn't feel very good. And you can see that already it is totally empty. It is just barren in there. There's a switch for turning it on. But if you press that switch, I mean, it seems to be functional as a switch, but there must be more to making it create heat than just flicking the switch. What's in the bucket? The bucket What's in is... the bucket? What's in the bucket? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very hard to say because it's unlabeled and its lid is metal and sealed on. Mm. And sealed with what? Um... What does one seal things with? I don't know. When things just have those thin metal things that just are I think on. it's just part of it. It's welded shut, I guess. Welded. Ooh, fancy. Welded. Uh, does it, are there coals? Or, is, is this a gas stove? When we open up that, that door, what do you see in there? Whatever was in there apparently burned out completely. It's all gone. So it's just there, an you, empty you cavity. I can't tell. Hmm. Uh, let's. Can we ask the, the the jolly fellows? Yeah, sure. You can ask them a little bit about it. Uh, what would you like to know? Well, what? first of all, one of them just holds out his hand and says, "Yes, how, how do you do? My name's Adam." High five. <laughs> <laughs> what is this strange greeting? Sorry, low five, low C, low five for low C. Ah, <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> well, ne next one comes up to you and. Look, the first one, like, Adam is a big brawny man, but this next one, the one who was speaking to you before, oh boy, uh, his forearm has more muscles than your whole body, so he's twice as big as Adam. 
I don't know where you came from, but I'm glad you're safe. Uh, my name's Andrew. Any help you need? How do we turn on the stove? Oh, goodness. That's always been a tricky one, hasn't it? Uh, Michael's always the one who cooks. Uh, he, he has this five-step process, but all I ever did was open the stove and insert the fuel, and it never worked for me. Think I missed a step in between. What's the fuel? Oh, it's right there in that bucket. Ah, nice. <laughs> I'm assuming your friend is the third gentleman here. This is Michael? Uh, the third oh, Michael's the guy that's, that's gone, of course. Yeah. Third one stands up, a tear rolling down his cheek a little bit as you say that. So this, this one is still in pretty good shape, but is clearly the small one of the group by a long shot. He's also wearing a hat that covers all his hair and half his face. And when he talks, it's like... I, um, I'm Alex. It's a pleasure to meet you. Adam, Andrew, and Alex. Pleasure to meet you guys. I want to, I'd love to look around the rest of the room, uh, but then I, I have a, I have a thought about the three gentlemen. So can uh, we, can we, uh, can we say, hey, AAA, we, you three chill here. <laughs> love it. Uh, we're talking modern speak, even though we're on a, on a boat in 1920 Antarctica. Uh, we're going to go, uh, play some games over here on this cool hip hipster game table and we walk over and look <laughs> at the chessboard no problem heavy they keep saying this word <laughs> <laughs> all right you look at the chessboard now the pieces are all on the board about half of them are still in their starting positions and half are scattered about so it looks like two of the sailors were in the early stages of a game however they've clearly had to abandon it because the entire board is coated in a thin layer of ice all the pieces are stuck in place Ooh. And uh, next to it is, is a bunch of stacks of cans of beans, right? Yeah, that was out at the other side of the table. Heaps of tins of beans stacked up here. Unopened ones in the front, a row of open finished ones in the back. They do indeed seem to be beans. <laughs> how, how many are there? I just said several. What's a good several? Seven. Oh no, only seven left. <laughs> I better hope that rescue gets here soon. And if I was to examine the open ones or try to open the closed ones, would, would anything reveal themselves? You take a look through and, first of all, you go to the open ones because they seem easier to see things with. And buried amongst them, you find a can opener. Ah, that'll be helpful. I put it in my inventory. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, can we, can we can opener the top of that bucket? Well, that's a good idea. Why don't we... Should we can open a, a, a can of beans and offer it to the three guys? Make them nice to us? Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that would be wonderful, but without our stove working, what are we to do? Uh, that's true. Cold beans. <laughs> Cold beans. <laughs> Frozen beans. Sorry, small Alex. <laughs> just, you, just, you, just, you open the can of beans and you tip it and it just comes out in a solid block. <laughs> thunks onto the table. You sort of have to lick it like a zoo animal with their frozen treats. A beansicle. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> Dessert of the future. Okay, I feel mm. like in my enthusiasm I went right past the chessboard covered in ice. Is there any, is it just <laughs> kind of blocked and frozen uh, in ice, that's it? Or can I... I mean, it's, it's a very light sheen of ice, so you can still see it definitely as a chessboard, but you can't do much with it. You can't move the pieces around or anything. They're all frozen there. Can we pick up the board and, and look under it? Or on the uh, back of it? Absolutely. There's nothing under it, but the board itself does lift off. It has not been frozen to the table. All right. All right. Before we finish everything, I just like, I feel obliged to check and examine the door that we entered. Good. Yeah. Always check the door. Smart. I really forgot that during the playtest. <laughs> I always forget it. You take a look at the door, and there's nothing on the inside, so, you know, you're feeling a bit adventurous. You pull the door open. The shouts of the crew members reach you too late, and a roaring gale of wind and snow just pounds in, oh. freezing you. you. Again, you are not dressed for this place, and you're definitely not dressed for being outdoors here. Poor Michael, although at least he probably has a coat. You shove the door shut again. Now, while it might seem like this was just a bit of a wasted effort, you did happen to notice something. On the outside of the door, which you got a brief glimpse of as it blew in in the wind, there are some deliberately made scratches on it. They look almost like writing, but they were not legible to you. So we can't just take a big 
take one for the team breath or convince one of the guys to open. We convince one of the guys to open open the door and look <laughs> at the letters while we hid behind the door since they're a little bit warmer or larger. You know, Adam and Andrew both look very reluctant at this, but Alex sort of goes, um, um, yes, I, um, <clears throat> no, yes, I am the toughest of all of us. I will do this for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And heads to the door, opens it again. Exactly the same thing happens. Poor Alex kind of gets blown off the feet. Um, but again, you do get a bit of a glimpse and it isn't just that you're only getting quick glimpses of it. There is something strange about these markings that means you can't read them, even though it looks like they're trying to be normal letters. They have been written strangely. Michael, Michael, make it with a call for help. Could be. Oh no. And they're definitely not like animal scratches or something. There's, there's a, there's a, no. some sort of cohesive nature to them. Absolutely. Got it. Okay, Brent, physics class, yep. huddle up. We go to the far right hand bottom corner of the room, and I say, yep. okay, so have we? Well, wait. Let me just ask. Uh, have we? Have we examined everything in the room that we can kind of examine? Have we looked um, at the walls? Can we examine the pillars anymore? You won't find any new things by searching harder. Should we bucket the... Yeah, open the bucket, right? Let's try that. All right. With the can opener. You take that can opener from your inventory, and it attaches quite handily to that bucket <laughs> lid. Don't All make fun right. of the way Neil makes fun of us. <laughs> <laughs> so <Nah>. meta. <laughs> By the end of the episode, we're all going to be going, and you check your inventory. Inventory. Any items and coins left in our inventory? No? Yes, very good. We'll carry on. <laughs> um... We opened the bucket of fuel. We're very you excited. crank it open. Now, as it peels open, a smell hits your nostrils. And it's definitely not the fuel smell that you expect when you think of fuel. You've never smelled anything quite like this. Your nose doesn't know what to do with it for a while. It, like, is it good? Is it bad? It's so new. Whale fat. Yeah, well... Yeah, after a while, it becomes clear that this is a very nasty smell. And you look over at the sailors and Adam, which one was Adam? Was Adam the biggest one? No, he's the, the, the middle big one? middle The middle one. Okay, cool. Uh, he has a faint trace of laughter on his face. And he goes, <laughs> yes, you've just, you've just opened up the seal blubber. That's the our seal only fuel source blubber. out here. Oh. Yeah. Some of it is in chunks, like sickly Ugh. pink pieces of suspicious salmon, but there's also like lots of juices and liquid going on in there. It's Ugh. thoroughly unpleasant. Adam. Sorry, guys. Andrew. <laughs> Alex. Is there another A well, here? I mean, is we're there used an, to it. Is there an Ashton? Are we being punked? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have seal blubber. So, Brent, you seem to you 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 referenced whale blubber. So clearly, you know a bit about this. What are we supposed to do with this seal blubber? I mean, animal fats was the early, you know, lightable substance. But you know, if without a without some sort of flint, or I'm trying to think of how we're gonna ignite it. Hey, uh, uh, a triple A team here, mates. Yes, what, yes. What's what's above? What's above us? You know, is that the is that the deck of the ship? Oh yes, all of the all of the other doors, unfortunately, have been even worse jammed than the other one. So we didn't even bother mentioning them to you in the room description. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be able to get anywhere else. All right, here's one mm. thing that I've noticed: we have three pillars. That's one's large, one's sort of extra large, and one's twice extra large. We also have three gentlemen. Alex Ooh. is large. Adam is extra large, and Andrew is twice extra large, as as so described. Good. Neil, you're amazing. We could, we could, <laughs> we could certainly connect the three men with the three pillars, but in what context? <laughs> Should we have what would Brent? What would, what would they be doing? Lifting? Let's go holding. Big to big, yeah. Medium, let, let, you know. Let's let's match them up by size, and and I think we start rotating and 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 sliding. Okay, so can we mm -hmm. can we politely convince these men to <laughs> to, to to take position at the three different pillars uh, that, that, are, that are sort of uh, similar to their their mm. size. Maybe have Alex yeah, cool. stand right. at pillar number one. Maybe ask Adam to stand at pillar number two. And maybe ask Andrew to take his position at pillar number three. Of course, Andrew says. Oh, we're, we're professionals. We can move anything except the, except the ship. 
And actually, you know, these pillars are incredibly heavy and we've been rationing our food for weeks, so we may not have the energy to move them too many times, so make it count. Okay, we, we, we can do this. We can try it just, just this once, but then we might need a break. So, oh, uh, Okay. Ooh. What should they, we have you, them do? What do we get to? You can, you can have one freebie. So maybe we should have all Both. three of them on like a heave-ho. Uh, mm. uh, either lift them up, and then maybe by lifting them up, it'll straighten the ceiling. And then maybe one, one of the two of us can try and hit the divider thing and open the divider because we'll have unjammed it. Yeah, I like that. So, okay, a couple of other questions before. You said that they will rotate completely 360 or just you know, a couple of degrees. You reckon you might be able to get them 360, but it was an effort. Mm. But yeah, each pillar can pretty much go up a little bit, down a little bit, or rotate in either direction uh, for as long as I guess that they can have the strength to do it. I see. So there's some sort of combination. I'm not sure. Um, man. And, and uh, you know, just looking at all the walls, no no markings on the walls or... Um, Nothing hidden on the walls. Don't is. worry too hard about th about this one, making them have a quick experiment with the pillars. I am legitimately, I do have inbuilt into my notes, you can have one free experiment with the pillars. Okay. Before we do this, can I, have, can I just go and take a glance at the chessboard again? I know it's frozen, but are there chess pieces frozen in positions that might have some sort of consequence? Ooh, you don't think so. Like the chessboard does have its grid coordinates marked on it, but all of the pieces are still on there I in see. various places. So it feels like that would be a wild combination if there was something there right now. Does it look like the players are good at chess? It's too early to tell. Are they using the Sicilian defense? Everyone uses <laughs> the Sicilian defense. Yes. It's really easy. I know chess. <laughs> Those that know the Sicilian defense always use it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how about this? The bottom of the pillars and the tops of the pillars. Can we, is there any discoloring? Like maybe they, you know, the, this had shifted or, hmm. you know, they were, they were moved from a position that, that they're not now. All right. So pillar two, none of them look like discoloration exactly. But when you look at the bottom of pillar two, around the back of it, you think you see something a little bit hidden by the floor. There's some sort of marking there. How about uh, a, a corresponding mark on the floor? Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Not, not, on, not on the floor. It is just on no, the pillar. Just on the pillar. Okay, go ahead, Neil. No, I was going to say, it sounds like we get a freebie of some sort. So maybe we should not overthink this and, and have them all three maybe pick them up and see what yep. happens when all three pick them up. Maybe the door Love will it. move a bit or we'll get at least a little bit more information because I, I can't see yeah. anything else that would give us a hint of yeah. rotation or up or down. I like it, and yeah, let's let's plan. keep our eyes on that that marking on on two. the num on the two pillar heave ho. All right, you get the dudes. You go, yep, one, two, three, heave ho, and they all lift up their pillars. It's clearly a huge effort. You could not have done this with with your scrawny teenage bodies. Um, hey. And when you're looking at that, <laughs> when you're looking at that part of pillar two, you can see that that was actually a message that was written on it <gasps> by someone. Ooh. It's a very Ooh. short message. Doesn't tell you that much right away, but it says V equals up, C equals down. And then the sailors just have to drop the pillows <sighs> and they fall in exhaustion and say, oh my, my arms are so cold. <laughs> <laughs> yes, when, when you're freezing, it makes it much, much more difficult. <laughs> So Escape This Podcast uh, is still brought to you by Buzzshot, but with the industry in such a difficult time at the moment, alongside a, a lot of other industries, rather than try and talk to you about customer metrics and all of that sort of stuff, we want to mention something which we mentioned last episode as well, which is a new initiative that Tom from Buzzshot is trying to help with. Tom has put together a, a website called Live Video Escape Rooms, as well as a Facebook group of the same name, and they're both linked in the show notes below. Uh, and the whole point there is to try and help find escape room owners a way to continue to operate their business when they can't physically operate their business. So if you are interested in looking at ways to convert the rooms you've got into videos, internet chat, Zoom, Skype, whatever service that you want to use, 
and talk to other people who are already doing that or people who are designing rooms in that style, this is a great place to go to get resources, talk with other creators and try and find ways to move your business to a more online format. So if that's something that interests you, head over to that website, head over to the Facebook group and start talking with people about the whole idea. Uh, we're there. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm on that Facebook group and I've been giving advice and receiving advice from people who are doing some really interesting things. Uh, so it's definitely a good place to go. And it might give you some ideas of, of different ways to run your business during this whole uh, COVID-19 crisis. On that same note, we're also offering the use of our rooms commercially during this time. If you want more information about that, send us an email at escapethispod at gmail.com and we can give you the whole rundown of how that would work. Uh, we do know a, f- a few people who run rooms are doing that at the moment and, and it's going really well for them. It's allowing them to keep their businesses running. So that's another form of help that we're trying to provide for the community. All right, I'll let you get back to the episode. V, v equals up, C equals down. Where do we find a V and a C? Um, the the markings on the outside are they are they V and C like? It doesn't look like it. Not enough. You wouldn't be able to identify that. Hmm. Could that be Roman uh, Roman numerals? No. C, I mean, the, those are you know V is five and C is what a hundred or a thousand? A hundred. That's a lot. <laughs> Adam, could you lift this five times and put it down a hundred times? V equals up, C equals down. Were there corresponding markings on the bottom of the other pillars? Yeah, what about one and three? Uh, no, they didn't have anything. It was just this no, one message. This one. So that was when we tried to lift them up. So mm-hmm. I suppose we could try and have them push, push, down. push them down and see if anything yep. hops down from the ceiling and then they might have to take a break, but at least we might have more inf- information. I don't know. I like it. At this point, Alex says, I, oh, I, um, <clears throat> look, I, I don't think I can do it again. I, I, I'm just so out of energy and I'm so cold. I think I need to, oh, I would give anything to be able to rest by the fire for a moment before <laughs> another attempt. Ah, of course you would, Alex. So, Alex, remember the, mm-hmm. the five-step process? Yes, it was Michael's process. It was so hard to remember the instructions. Oh, oh, I, I know one thing. Um, he always said not to start the stove while it's closed. But that's it. Oh, oh, wait, wait, one other thing. The first thing he did, always, he shook up the fuel to get it nice and evenly mixed. Did we know one of the steps already, or was it just those those two? Didn't we have one before? No, they just said that they knew that they knew it was a five step. They couldn't remember all the steps. Uh, Adam and Andrew, you guys have any uh, any insight? So, like I said, uh, yes, the five step process. All I ever did when I tried to do it, I opened the stove, I put the fuel in, but it just never worked. I, I assume I missed a step in between those mm. two. Ooh, it's the shaking, maybe. And then Adam as well. Adam sort of shakes his head and goes, Oh no, uh, Michael only ever told me that the trick was to pat down the fuel while it's heating up in there. But I never cook for myself, I'm afraid. Well, there's our five. So shake it. Don't, n- not to start while closed. Put the fuel in and pat it down. So we have to shake the fuel. Open the stove. Put the Two, fuel in. Close three, the stove. Start four, it. And then pat it down while it's heating, to get it to go further? To get it to really heat up? Is there a padding? Are we talking about, is there some part of the stove that allows us to maneuver it from, from once the door is closed? Or, or maybe we flatten it? You know, maybe we flatten the, the blubber on the, you know, on, the, on the floor of it? Well, as you remember, when you first entered here and your opening the door blew the stove out, the door was open at that stage. So apparently they just keep it open for more than you'd expect. And was Alex saying that to turn it on when it was open or when it was closed? Not to start uh, not while to closed. Not to start it when it was closed. Okay, so it should be open when you turn when you oh. start it. Oh, right. But then Andrew said there was uh, open the stove, insert the fuel, but that never worked in that. Yeah, he's missing ah, a step. Pat, pat it, so shake it and pat it down. No, pat it down right. once it's in, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, so let's 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 out. do these five steps and carry on with our lives. We go, <laughs> we we take the open bucket of fuel. We go to the stove. Mm-hmm. We open the stove. We 
shake the fuel so that it lid doesn't spill out. Up. Yeah, lid on, lid on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> gross gross blubber flies everywhere. <laughs> You're covered. Sort of like a paint can. Can we put the lid back on top and shake it up a little bit that way? Get it going. And then yep. we'll shake the fuel. We'll put some of the blubber inside. Then with the stove open, so that's two of our five. Then we uh, insert the fuel. That's three of our five. And then we'll start the stove. Wait, pat it down. Oh, sorry, you're right. Yeah, start it no, first. No, once it's going. We'll start it once first once the fuel is in. Keep the open the stove open, and then we'll pat down the fuel while it's heating up to get it to really go. I like it. It's not 100% the order that I have, but I think that makes sense as an yeah. alternative. I think that works just, uh, perfectly. Works perfectly. Uh, you, okay, so cool. You do all that. You do those steps. You flick the switch to turn it on. You use whatever you can to pat it down while it's in there, spreading it evenly across, and steam starts <laughs> to form in there. Then the fuel catches a light, and pretty soon you have a lovely little blaze. The three, A's, the three A's all cheer, and they crawl back over to take advantage of it. <laughs> Low fives. <laughs> nope, still nothing. Low fives for everyone. I still don't know what that means. <laughs> Why don't we take the chessboard now that we're heating it up, and, and can, we, can we heat the chessboard so that the ice melts a bit? Uh, since the board isn't frozen to the table, as you found out, you pick it up and you take it over to that stove and let the flame sort of hit the edge of it. Nice. So the okay. ice begins to melt and the chess pieces come loose. They start to slide off and you wipe the surface clean a bit to help them along. And once they've all fallen off, you see that three squares on this chessboard are marked with big circles. Squares with their coordinates, A1, F2, and G3. Hmm. Are those possibly the same configuration as our pillars? Hmm. I mean, not exactly. They're, they're a bit more haphazard than that, but there does seem to be a possible connection there. It might just be that there are circles and the circles sort of remind you of the pillars. We're spending a few minutes looking at the chess board that is now, I'm, I'm guessing, a bit wet, and we're seeing A1, mm -hmm. F2, and G3, but the chess pieces mm -hmm. themselves, can we look at them at the bottom of them? Is there anything interesting about the pieces? There is nothing interesting about the pieces, except for one that's made of chocolate. Oh. <laughs> for any reason? You deserve a reward. You did good work. <laughs> I take the chocolate piece in my hand, and I put my hands behind my back. And then I go up to Brent, and I should put my hands out in front of me, and I have him tap put in the head, chocolate. Head I'm gonna hands. tickle. I'm gonna tickle Neil until he. All <laughs> right, you can have the one. It was in my right hand. Fine. We'll split the chocolate. We'll split the chocolate. How about this? You chew the chocolate for a while, and then when you're satisfied before swallowing it, you can like spit it into my mouth. Baby so bird we'll, it into baby you. Baby bird it into my mouth. There's, there's one other thing to worry about. When you were patting down that fuel in the stove, did you use your hand? Because that chocolate might be disgusting and blubbering uh, now. That's spicy. <laughs> All right. So now we have to solve the chessboard. A1, F2, G3. Yeah. And, you know, I just sort of plotted this here, and it is, there's nothing that I'm seeing there yet. Okay, yeah, what that about... Is, that's, that's the connection. That's what you suddenly realize and why it did make you think of the pillars. It's because those circles that are drawn on the chessboard are in black paint. The same black paint, which is on the numbers, the one, two, and the three. So A, one would be the one pillar, F, two would be the second, and G, three would be the third, maybe? But in, what does that accomplish like for that. us? You know, Neil, uh, you know, V equals up and C equals down. I wonder if there's some corresponding, you know, for the letters, you know, cer certain pillars need to go up and certain pillars need to go down. Based on this positioning, there's some mapping between the two. A, F, G. I mean, you know, if you think about it, C is on is on one side, you know, is on the downside of A and the upside of F and G, and V is on the downside of all of them. That right? sounds it's profound. A... <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm fine with the A that, I'm not fine with, but I'm, I'm, I can zero in with the A, F, G, and C because they're all sort of similar in the alphabet. When I get to V, it's so far at the end of the alphabet that I'm thrown. Uh, let's heat up the beans and feed them to the to the AAA. And have them try and do stuff to the pillars again? 
Yeah, let's get them all nice and 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 ready for ready for action. Get them beaned up. Well, these have to last us a few days, so we we don't want to go overboard with this. But yes, I suppose we could have a little bit of a snack. Get ourselves ready for one more effort with these pillars when you're ready for us. V and C. V and C. But what would a V be in here? V would stand for what? Vestibule? V- 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 Could C be column? Could C be can? C could be the ceiling, but that doesn't make any sense. I will say that the V and the C part of this puzzle, you could do anywhere. Doesn't matter what the, the room you're in. You could be out on a beach somewhere. You could be wherever. Wherever this puzzle is, you could, it would still be exactly the same. I'm trying to s- interpret what the columns should do. Move up or yeah. down. I'm looking. I'm, I'm mapping. We know that the, the letters a, map to them. A, a F, and F, G. and G. Uh, Neil, how about this? F, F and G both open to the right like a C, and an A opens down. You know, a, a V <laughs> like opens the up. opposite of a V. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the opposite of V, but if you were to just look at well, the pictorial. What else do you know? What else is the difference between F and G and A? Uh, F and G are both. F and G are one letter apart from each other, but the actual shape of the letter themselves, m- like musical notes. Ooh, good. A at the beginning of the alphabet is a vowel. The rest aren't vowels. What are the others? Consonants. Consonants. Ooh. So consonants are down and, and vowels C. are up. Yeah. Consonants oh my God. and V. <laughs> C is consonants and V is uh, vowels. And apologies uh, to everyone listening on the uh, podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, wow. This isn't documented you for all of time, is it? You played a genius on television. <laughs> you tried so many difficult things. My stars. This uh, is me brutal. in an actual escape room. Uh, <laughs> is doing just this. Okay, great. So right. for those letters that are consonants, we probably have to push the, the pillars down. And for those that are vowels, we probably have Boom. to lift them up. So can we get the three <laughs> A's back into their positions and try one more time? Okay, you sound confident this time. So, okay, we'll, we'll work for it. We'll do this. I'm sweaty and confident, I guess. <laughs> so what's moving where? So let's go up with A. So yes, we Down have, with we have Alex. We're gonna have Alex on Ho, in Heave Ho, and he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna push up on his column one, and then we're gonna have a- a- Andrew and Adam push down on their F and G, which are consonants, which would make them go down. Mm-hmm. All right, perfect. So you push or you you get them all together, and Alex goes over to pillar one, and again, in the interesting way of speaking, just goes, um, yep, all right, getting right one, <clears throat> one, two, three, huh! and hoists pillar one up as far as it'll go, and the ceiling creaks, and the others look apprehensive, but you seem so confident that they go on, so Adam goes on to the next one, Andrew onto the other one, and at the same time, they both shove them deep down. There's another loud creak, and then there is a big old clunk. <gasps> not a, it's not a bad-sounding clunk. Oh, it's the mm. clunk of something going into place. They Ooh. look a little bit puzzled, and then Alex says, is it, just, is it just me, or does everything look less tilted? <laughs> nice. We've straightened the ceiling. Oh, right. Quick, let's go to the divider uh, and yeah. wake, wake everyone up that's, that's fallen asleep. And then try to open the the cabin divider door. All right. Well, you can go over to that divider and it now slides open. It's still got a decent amount of friction there. It's not perfect, but enough to let you inside. So you can get in there. And uh, this isn't a huge ship quarter with like 20 hammocks or something in it. It's just a teeny tiny crowded one with two beds and a desk with a typewriter squished in here. Barely any walking space between them. Under the bed? Yeah, let's just examine the beds. You, you take a look under the bed. So these are sort of like bunk bed situation here with them drilled into the wall. Is that how beds work? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the beds themselves, first of all, the walls besides these beds have decorations nailed to them. So beside the top bunk, there's a boomerang and an Australian flag. And beside the bottom one, there's a New Zealand flag. 
And if you wanted to drop down on the floor to take a look under the bed, there is something under there. There's mm. a hmm, there's there's a box, almost like a briefcase. So it's got two two-digit combination locks on the front of it. And written on top of the words, for my dearest Michael. Must be something from home. Mm. And sorry, you said boomerang and Australian flag. What was the, the New Zealand flag? Yeah, so those the Australian flag and the boomerang were next to the top bunk, and the bottom bunk had a New Zealand flag. And we do have pictures of those if you need to take a look-see. And it's a picture of a boomerang, or it's an actual boomerang? Oh, it's a boomerang nailed to the wall. Oh, wow. It's a really big, like, heavy-duty one. It's not like one of your cheap souvenirs. And you you know a little bit about boomerangs. You know, most people think the whole point of a boomerang is for it to come back when you throw it. But, well, first of all, that's really hard. And uh, it's also not always true. Some boomerangs, especially the really heavy-duty ones, that they can travel hundreds of feet, but they aren't meant to come back at all. They just go in a perfectly straight line. Do we know the nationality of any of the, of, of the AAAs? Is any one of them Australian or New Zealand? Well, they all have very crisp English accents, but in 1920, that doesn't mean very much. Uh, they could be any, but you assume from the briefcase under the bottom bunk that the New Zealand one was probably Michael's. And the Australian one, you can go out, you can go out. Hey, hey, it was Australian. That's not how you find out. What you do is you go out and, and, and you go, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! And one of them will go, Oi, 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 oi! Um, it, it's Adam. Adam. The top one is Adam's bed. Oi, oi, oi. And and you said there was one box and it had two different locks on it? Or a single yes. two-digit combo lock? Uh, it's got two two-digit things, sort of like a briefcase setup. One on the uh, left, like two digits yeah. on the left, two digits on the right. Got it. So, Neil, knowing that Michael is the New Zealander, uh... The flat, the stars on the flag, zero and four, maybe. Oh, that's clever. Um, because the, the Australian flag. Four stars on the New Zealand flag. And the Australians got, what is that, six? You won't have to guess too heavily at what they want. There will be indicators about what right. sorts of numbers you'll need for them. So fair enough. You just got to find them. Um... Can we can we examine under the pillows and look in look in the uh, the sheets things like that? Absolutely, you ruffle through them, and sitting under the pillow of that lower bed, you find some reading glasses. Nice. What will we do with reading glasses? Hmm. Can we take the boomerang? You pull it, and yeah, the nail holding it up is pretty loose, so you can take it down without any real damage. Just one small hole in one end of it. Anything on it? Markings or? Uh, definitely lots of painted markings, but nothing that looks helpful. Encoded. <laughs> what's in that? What's on that typewriter? You go over to it, and there is a page sitting inside it, and several beside it. It looks like one of the sailors has been keeping record of funny and interesting observations that he's made about Antarctic life. So you take a look at the current page in the machine, and it says, "A consider blubber." We burn it for heat, but the seal does not do such things. No, he wears it as an overcoat. On his hands, head, and belly, he stashes the valuable commodity and parades in the cold as if it were nothing. Consider blubber is how that started? Yes. Interesting. Uh, What about some of the other pages? Uh, They look less relevant to your current situation. (laughs) It is cold. Have you seen the snow? It's been cold for days. Turns into water if you hold it long enough. Are there any drawers? Kicked a penguin the other day. Are there any (laughs) drawers? Who said they couldn't fly? (laughs) Getting tired of beans. (laughs) So that's instructions for us to rub the horrible blubber on our body so we can open up the door and see what's on the other side of of those scratches on the other side of the door. I mean, is it a real escape room if you don't have to coat yourself in something gross? I choose you, Brent. I choose you. <laughs> Man, I love where your head went. That's amazing. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm desperate enough for the clue here. I'm <laughs> Fantastic. I disrobe Brent. Mm-hmm. Into his, into, into, he's wearing absolutely nothing. And then I, and then I, smear, uh, I smear all the blubber. 
from the, the the remaining blubber. Let's leave a little bit just in case the fire yep. needs to get yeah. going. Plan. Smart. Over his body. Smart. And I start kind of disgusted. Like I start up top and I'm kind of, it smells this terrible. And by the time I'm like really get, getting into it, I'm slowing down. I'm taking my time. And the, it's the music starts playing. The three A's are sort of turning, watching, kind of appreciating what's happening. It's, it's like, it's... Uh, you get unchained melody. It's like the yeah. scene from Ghost. <laughs> exactly right. But Brent is both is kind of the clay as well as the love interest. And then, and then I think he should go open the door. Oh, the oh, what a wonderful teenage physics class. <laughs> Low C. You're gonna have some stories to tell. Yeah. Okay, let's go open the door. All right, you open up that door, and it still bursts open in the wind, but Brent, the air does not go through to your bones anymore. This blubber strategy seems to be working. Nice. <laughs> amazing. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you could go wander around uh, in the icy outside, but there is still a blizzard going on, so you can only see sort of a few meters in front of you. You probably shouldn't go too far from the ship, because you're still not very prepared for this Antarctic exploration thing. How about more markings on either side? So those markings are still exactly the same on the outside of the door. It's really frustrating because they look so close to being real letters, but there's just something about the way they're written that makes it indecipherable, sort of hard to look at almost. Can you, can I, can I hand oh, them the, the glasses, glasses, the reading glasses? You absolutely can. It's so cold. I'm like, oh, whoo, huh, here you naked, put these glasses on. <laughs> Uh, you put those glasses on with your blubbery hands and all of a sudden those scratches come into focus. Uh, how Michael did this, you're not sure, but it seems like he managed to perfectly recreate what words would look like to them without his glasses so that someone had to wear his glasses to read them. <laughs> However it worked, it worked. Well, it's just like when he doesn't have his glasses on, they look really clear to him. Mm, something like that. Oh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> now... The letters that you see are not perfect words, but you're definitely sure about what you're reading. It says A-U-N-Z-P-O-I-N-T-S. Now with the glasses on, maybe, or maybe it was just something that you can now see because you're looking around outside a bit more, you also do see something a little bit further away, but still quite close to the ship, close enough that you can make your way to it. There's something half submerged in the snow. What is it? So we've got Australia, Australia, New Zealand points. So they were playing some game. Nice. Are they equal equal spacing there? Uh, there's the no space. Yeah. So basically exactly the same spacing between all of them or no spacing, whichever you prefer. How about below those words? Do we, does it look like there's markings like they were trying to keep score no, or something? That's a hundred percent it. Okay. Well, wait on the Australian star. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points. And on the New Zealand star, there's five points. One, two, three, four, five. (laughs) I'm smart. (laughs) I'm just looking at an image, actually. But that could be something. Australian, then New Zealand points, points of the star, maybe? One of the Australian stars is different, isn't it? Like, they're not all seven? Is that right? Oh, you're right. There's There's one that's a five. You're right. So five of them have seven points. And one of them has five points. And then in New Zealand's flag... We have four with five. Four stars with five points. So that means Australia gets, what, 40 points total? And, and New Zealand gets 20 points total? We may have found the combination to the briefcase. But before we do that, yeah. are, you're, you're still shivering, naked, <laughs> blubber-filled in... With looking at something that's halfway buried in the snow, can you yeah, can you acquire that and we find out what it is? Yeah, so you go over to that, and the snow around here is loose. It's clearly sort of recent. You think maybe Michael was right here before the blizzard hit, and you dig around it. You can't dig all the way down, but you get the entire top of this thing uncovered. And what it is, it's an old camera sitting on a tripod. So the tripod is submerged. You can't move that, and the camera. Ooh, okay, so it's a very old camera. It's not like you can go through it and observe the pictures that it's taken. But you do notice it has been positioned, so it's facing quite a sharp angle off to the left. And the camera seems to have been locked in that position on purpose. So if Michael was using this, it's like he saw something very deliberately that he wanted to photograph in that direction. 
you have no idea how far away. You don't know anything about how these old cameras would zoom or mm. anything like that. And the camera is but... stuck stuck to the tripod. And if I look in the direction of the camera, nice. where the camera's pointed. You take a look through it and oh, you can't see very far through the snow. It's, mm. it's like maybe before the blizzard had hit when Michael was taking his photos, it would have been fine for him. But yeah, right now you got nothing. All right. How about go back inside and let's, uh, Neil, what do you say we open up that briefcase? Yeah. Come inside. You must be freezing. Freezing. What were you thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? You've never smelled better. <laughs> All right, we we go to the briefcase and we t and we do the two digit combinations of four zero two zero. The locks pop open. Huzzah! And you lift up the lid of that briefcase. <laughs> there's, a, there's only one thing inside. It's a it's a big knitted tapestry thing of a penguin just sort of standing on an ice shelf. It's it's very cute. It's very well done. Except the very thick thread that's been used to make it is sticking out in one corner. Are we able to pull the thread? You are able to pull it. And ooh, this is a good, thick, sturdy thread. It's, it's not rope exactly, but it's also not just a, you know, bit of dental floss. So you pull at it and it does come out. And you feel a little bit bad because you, this is destroying Michael's wife's hard work, but you never know, it might help bring him back alive from the snow, so she'll understand. So you keep pulling at it, and it seems like it could be very useful. It could undergo a lot of stress without snapping, and pretty soon when you've unraveled the whole thing, you've got a nice length of this stuff on the floor. And because it was of a penguin, it's black as well, which could make it stand out nicely against the snow. Brent. I think I, I, have a, I have an idea. Let me, let's take this thread, this black thread. And if I'm not mistaken, yep. the boomerang was attached to the wall and it was attached yep. by, by one of the nails, right? So now there's a hole in said boomerang. So mm -hmm. I, I'm going to lick the end of the thread. I'm going to put it through the hole. I'm going to tie it to the boomerang. So we have a boomerang that this is a heavy boomerang that we were just told doesn't come back but goes straight far distance, right? So what if I hand this to you? in your blubbery nakedness, if you take this outside and you stand where the camera's pointing, and if you were to hold on to the thread or maybe attach it to the, uh, I don't know, to the yeah. tripod and then throw the Love thread it. in the direction of the camera, whatever Michael wanted to see that was pointing, you might hit or lasso or something like that, maybe? Love it. Love it. And then just walk along the, the fabric. And then, and then pull, the it, pull it back yeah. and see what you get. Mm. Oh yeah, so good. Like go go snow fishing. <laughs> you don't like spear Michael in the chest. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> no, <it'll be laughs> great. we'll know exactly where he is. <laughs> is that delusional? Are we? Am I missing anything? That seems like no. I love it. Okay. All right, Brent. You go outside. You take this boomerang that has been lovingly attached to this thick thread. You go to where the camera is. You go to the direction that it's pointing. You tie the thread around the base of the camera, maybe, or mm -hmm. just keep a tight hold of it. And then you fling that thing. You just fling it as hard as you can. It vanishes into the blizzard, and eventually the thread goes taut as it reaches its full length. Okay. Boomerang doesn't come back. Well, you expected that might be true, and you think it must be just lying on the ground somewhere. So you wait. Kind of like fishing. You've cast a line out. You're hoping something will latch on. Cold is, the cold is starting to feel a little bit more present than you'd like it to and not being able to see very well is kind of unnerving and then just as you're about to reel it back in and maybe try casting your line again <laughs> you feel a tug on the other end Ooh. you give a gentle pull yourself and you feel it resist can i can i can, can, uh, can i pull it towards me absolutely you hold on you keep the thread tight you pull it just very gently and finally, finally, a silhouette appears against the snow. Hey! Oh, Obviously seeing you, yes. this person comes running, and the man that you assume is Michael drops to his knees, exhausted in front of you. Thank God! He's, he's winded, his face is blistered red, his arms are shaking. I'd given up hope. Thought I'd wandered too far from the gallantry. And then I saw it on the ground like it had been waiting for me. Adam's boomerang! Oh, thank you, whoever you are, thank you. H how did you know where I was? You, you explain, maybe the camera's angle gave him away, and he blinks in surprise. He goes, oh, the camera. Oh, I forgot, completely forgot. That's the whole reason I went out there. I saw something. I saw, um, 
He reaches a gloved hand into his pocket, fumbling with something small, and he holds it out for you to see. It's a small, round, grey rock. And he looks very excited about it. Well, it's oxidised, but I'm certain this is a fragment of meteorite. And look at this circle, how perfect it is. It's been shaped by man. But who and where? <gasps> it was lodged firmly in the ice, almost intentionally so. It seemed by sheer chance that the ice surrounding it cracked enough to render it visible. It's been here for years, I'll wager, if not decades. And the oxidation indicates it's very old indeed. Someone has been to Antarctica long before us and left some very peculiar artifacts behind indeed. I mean, interesting, but great. Michael risked his life for a rusty rock. I mean, I wonder what makes him so important to the timeline that you really needed to rescue him like this. Well... You help him inside, and you're met with roars of joy from AAA. They envelop him in a gargantuan hug. They're making so much noise, you almost don't hear your watches that Doc Bill gave you go off. I introduce the myself he... to him really quickly and just say, Hi, <laughs> I'm Neil, and apologies for uh, my lack of clothes. I just thought I would get into the blubber look as well before before we took off because it was kind of what we did. Oh, you read my we're you going, read my typewriter. I, totally. We're going back to school, so we just want to be ready. You know, super liking the look. Michael, Michael, Michael lifts up his shirt and he's covered in blubber underneath. His blubber buddies, low five, nice. <laughs> All right. Now, if you remember, these watches going off means that you're about to be uh, transported back to the future. So you, you grab up any clothes of yours that you've discarded so that you at least won't be leaving them behind, causing a time rift of your very own. You edge towards the door and one of the sailors says, Hey, where do you think you're going? Are you mad? And you blurt out something about remembering how to get back to your own ship now and you race out. Should we bring the meteor with us? Should we bring the circle, the rock? Oh, you did not. Michael kept a firm hold of that. Oh, darn it. oh really? Yeah, right. mm -hmm. And before they can follow you outside, you are vanishing back into the time vortex. <laughs> That's the sound. Doc Bill's lab, <laughs> lab is like a furnace compared to what you've come from. The blubber is totally unnecessary now. But you know, it's still, it's still smells great. in its way. You shake off the snow that's in your hair and you tell the other very baffled-looking students about your adventure and Doc Bill's there listening intently. So you saved him from dying, which he almost did because he was searching for this rock. Hmm. A frown just creases his face. But the rock had been there for years. Oh, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. Why? All the students ask in unison. Because it means Greg didn't directly affect this one. If that rock got there because of him, it's because he did it in some other time. He changed something further back. And my computer didn't recognize any anomaly until years later. Why didn't it send you back to when he first put it there? We may be fixing the ripples, but we're missing the source. We have to keep moving. We have to find Greg. The closer he gets to the present, the more ripples we may see outside these very walls. <laughs> 